Hi again, and welcome back to Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I am Julie. And this is episode six, as we go through the big book, and uh, we're doing our own big book study with you, our listeners. Thanks for joining us. We're having so much fun with this series. It's not even cool. It's not even, it's so whatever. And I'm brain dead, as you can tell. <laughs> that last podcast we did was pretty long. I didn't even look at the time, but I think it was it like was, an hour. I think it was an hour. So, but it we did. may have been our longest, by the way, if you're a new listener, oh my gosh, hi, we love you. We have actually worked through the steps in a previous podcast, at least on SoundCloud, you can see it grouped in under title. Um, I don't know how it works. I, I know it's not like that on iTunes, but if you go into SoundCloud, you can actually hear us. We went into this beautiful converted church over Lisa's birthday one year, and we did like a 12 step study mm. and it was really cool. And you can get a lot of stuff from that. And did we do the traditions too? No, we didn't. We only did the steps. We did the 12 steps and it was a beautiful weekend and uh, it was restorative and was so exciting just to do the steps. And and I think we should revisit that again sometime down the road because sure. as, as we age in the program, we also progress if we're continuing to do the work, especially when mm -hmm. we're carrying this message to other people. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if there's anything different that we have to yeah. offer. Yeah. So go on to, you can access SoundCloud on your desktop or on your phone, and then you can see the heading of the step study that we did. Yeah. And there's all kinds of other things on there. I mean, the very first couple of ones we did were kind of like, uh, have you ever heard of yoga with Adrian? No, she, I think she's down there in the States with you down in Texas or something. And mm -hmm. she talks about how she did her first podcast. And she remembers they had a big celebration when they reached a hundred views Whoa. And now she has over like a million followers and uh, she's quite famous for yoga. Um, and we were kind of like that when we did our first episode, not thinking anyone would ever listen, let alone would we have it on a platform such as iTunes uh, mm -hmm. or that we'd even have listeners. So it's kind of funny to, you know, sometimes we're recording in a park or most of the time it was just on my living room floor. Yeah, one, one microphone, which was nice because it was our way of getting together and hanging out. And uh, now it is our way of getting together and hanging out long distance because Julie is down in Nashville and I'm up in Toronto in Canada. Um, yeah. So this is how we spend time together. It's nothing's changed. <laughs> this is still how we spend time together. I know. And I have no idea how many podcasts we've done, but it's got to be over 500. Oh, I think it's over a thousand. No, I think it's, a, I think it's over a thousand. I have that that's number crazy. in my head. Yeah, that's crazy. So lots of listening. If you're, um, you know, trying to um, stay away from that first drink and you're new in sobriety, we can be your uh, sobriety buddies. We have had so many amazing emails from people um, telling mm -hmm. us that they found us before they found their first AA meeting or, you know, when they couldn't get to an AA meeting, they would listen to us in the car at home uh, before they discovered online meetings. And it's just been wonderful. So many people reaching out. We love to hear your stories. And if you allow us or want us to share any portion of your story, then you can also let us know. And we would be happy to share that with just your first name. Um, our email is the number two sober chicks at gmail.com. Drop us a line about just about anything except your dick. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have to throw that in there. 
or your vagina. Uh, that's right. No body parts whatsoever. No, thank you. We don't want okay. to of those. So continuing on with our study, we are at the forward to the third edition, which if you have the fourth edition, that is page XXII. And these we're probably going to read together because they're very small. Beginning by March 1976, that was the year before I was born, when this edition went to the printer, the total worldwide membership of Alcoholics Anonymous was conservatively estimated at more than 1 million people, with almost 28,000 groups meeting in over 90 countries. Mm -hmm. Surveys of groups in the United States and Canada indicate that AA is reaching out not only to more and more people, but to a wider and wider range. Women now make up more than one-fourth of the membership. Among newer members, the proportion is nearly one-third. Seven percent of the AAs surveyed are less than 30 years of age, among them many in their teens. The basic principle of the AA program, it appears, hold good for individuals with many different lifestyles, just as the program has brought recovery to those of many different nationalities. The 12 steps that summarize the program may be called Los Doce Pasos in one country, Le Duze Tap in another, but they trace exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members of Alcoholics Anonymous. In spite of the great increase in the size and the span of this fellowship, at its core remains simple and personal. Each day, somewhere in the world, recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic sharing experience, strength, and hope. Mm -hmm. They say all you need to have a meeting is two alcoholics and a pot of coffee. And the pot of coffee, not, not even required. Just useful. No. Yeah. Help. All right. And forward to the fourth edition. This fourth edition of Alcoholics Anonymous came off press in November 2001 at the start of a new millennium. Since the third edition was published in 1976, worldwide membership of AA has just about doubled to an estimated 2 million or more, with nearly 100,800 groups meeting in approximately 150 countries around the world. Literature has played a major role in AA's growth. And a striking phenomenon of the past quarter century has been the explosion of translations of our basic literature into many languages and dialects. In country after country where the AA seed was planted, it has taken root, slowly at first, then growing by leaps and bounds when literature has become available. Currently, Alcoholics Anonymous has been translated into 43 languages. As the message of recovery has reached larger numbers of people, it has also touched the lives of a vastly greater variety of suffering alcoholics. When the phrase, we are people who normally would not mix, page 17 of this book, was written in 1939, it referred to a fellowship composed largely of men and a few women with a quite similar social, ethnic, and economic backgrounds. Like so much of AA's basic text, those words have proved to be far more visionary than the founding members could have ever imagined. That line gives me chills. Mm. The stories added to this edition represent a membership whose characteristics of age, gender, race, and culture have widened and have deepened to encompass virtually everyone the first 100 members could have hoped to reach. While our literature has preserved the integrity of the AA message, sweeping changes in society as a whole 
are reflected in new customs and practices within the fellowship. Taking advantage of technological advances, for example, AA members with computers can participate in meetings online, sharing with fellow alcoholics across the country or around the world. In any, in any meeting, anywhere, AA share experience, strength, and hope with each other in order to stay sober and help other alcoholics. Modem to modem, and we'll explain what that is, <laughs> <laughs> or face-to-face, AA speak the language of the heart in all its power and simplicity. So for those of you born after 1990, um, a modem <laughs> oh, was a neat, a neat little computer device where you'd take your phone. Oh, wait a second. A phone is a thing <laughs> that was hooked up to your wall or sat on your desktop and was plugged into the wall. And it had a, a handle or a handset. One <laughs> end you would put to your ear for listening. And the other was the mouthpiece. You would take that and you would plug it into a thing called a modem and it would send uh, signals over the telephone line to God knows where, because that's the extent of my computer science knowledge. And then it would go. Yeah. And somehow that was the internet's beginning. Yeah. So that's kind of cute. And again, that line going back where it says um, they were visionary. Those words have proved to be far more visionary than the founding members could have ever imagined. Mm. Like this is the forward to um, the fourth edition for 2001. Then in 2019, the pandemic hits and Mm -hmm. modem to modem is a life-saving gift Mm. for Alcoholics Anonymous, who for some reason, meetings are not an essential service, but the liquor store remaining open is. I had a problem with that too. I couldn't go to church. But I could go to Costco. Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. You know, and and I've said this before about when the pandemic hit. I feel like alcoholics were the first to rally. It was like meetings were shut down on Wednesday and Zoom meetings were opened on Thursday. It was lightning fast. Now, we had to work a lot of stuff out. At the beginning, it was like a kumbaya that it just changed everyone's behavior, which much to my dismay. And, but we figured it out and there are amazing online meetings now that, I mean, I prefer in person, um, for many reasons. One is the discipline of actually making a point to get up and go to a very good for my alcoholic nature that needs structure and discipline. Um, but I also need that intangible thing that happens when people get together versus over a screen. I feel like an over the screen meeting helps me about 50%, but an in-person meeting helps me like a hundred percent. And for me, I'm getting a lot out of the in-person meetings because I'm going to more meetings and I'm reaching more people and I'm picking up more sponsees and helping more people. However, I do agree with you. And I do often say to the people I'm sponsoring, please try to find a group in your neighborhood that you can go to and make your home group. I'm not saying you don't have to go. You can't go to online meetings, continue, you know, keep this as your online home Mm -hmm. group, but go to an in-person meeting and get some, get some fellowship. I mean, the meetings are about the fellowship, right? They're about getting to know people who are just like you seeing that you're not alone, having a support, having someone to call and say, you know, do you have an hour? Can we have a coffee? Yeah. And especially for single people, the need to be touched, even just a handshake or a hug 
or a hand on my shoulder. It was like a big deal in my in my single years. Touched appropriately. Sorry, yeah, I was gonna add. Let's. That let's was the add only that place that I would get that kind of physical comfort from people, and it was important because sometimes just somebody touching me was the difference between spinning into an abyss that would take me under and reminding myself, oh, I'm not alone. People care. This is temporary. And there are some that do touch inappropriate at meetings, which is why we usually say men with men, women with women. And it's because some people don't know when to uh, have a boundary. Um, the only person that I've ever inappropriately been touched by is our friend, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, and what I mean by that is she gives these full frontal hugs where she like dips her pelvis even so that it's like full body contact. So which, we've started this, um, where is it? This app, uh, this support group, um, for motivation for exercise and Sarah's in it. And, oh, can I not find it now? Where is it? I want to show you this picture so I can get your reaction. Cause it's exactly what you're I miss those hugs. No one's ever hugged me like that. <laughs> That's Sarah yeah. hugging a friend of hers. Yeah. You see Full, the just like, yeah. yeah. They're it's standing like, in a yoga like a pose. monkey. Yeah, a monkey just like grabs onto you, wraps their legs around you and stuff. <laughs> and hugs you with everything they got. Yeah. yeah. Remember yeah. on our road trip to Dr. Bob's when she was sitting in the back seat and she had one foot on each of her headrests, just like completely spread eagle. <laughs> I look back and I'm like, yep, Sarah. God bless her. Uh, There's no like her. Bless Sarah. God bless Sarah. Yeah. Um, to, and- for me, that kind of inhibition is like I can't even imagine but I would love to have Mm. just a hundred percent who she is unapologetic I find it very relaxing to be around people like that because I am very like uptight and just not uninhibited at all yeah that is a special quality that she has I love it too um okay so those are the forwards Thank God they're done. No, <laughs> but they yeah, are. So, so people important. would wonder why we're doing these forwards. Mm-hmm. And really for me, it's twofold. One is it respects the integrity of the text by not taking anything out because I don't happen to think it's important. And two, we need to know our history, whether, and I, that is true for all areas of life, whether you're a woman who votes, you need to know the history of when we couldn't vote. Uh, if you're of, in a particular religion, you need to know the history of your religion in order to know what you believe and why. I believe you need to know the history of politics to know what your rights are and what your freedoms are. And I think in AA, knowing our history gives us a really good foundation to build on, even if it seems super boring that you're like, why am I reading these statistics? Why does the forward matter? And it also shows us how much it works. You know, when they talk about the first 100 Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about millions and 150 countries and more around the world and the different languages that the book is printed in and all these wonderful things. And yes, for this stubborn alcoholic, me, Lisa, um, it reminds me that it's not up to me to change the book um, because mm-hmm. I came in thinking, oh, I'm going to be the new editor of the big book and I'm going to make it more politically correct and inclusive than this and that. And I love how our fellowship has adapted to that. What they've done is they've changed the AA preamble to be a group of persons or a group of people, right? Mm -hmm. They talk about that. Whereas it used to say men and women. And Mm -hmm. the reason they did that 
is because we want to show that we are progressive, we want to move forward, we want to be accepting and all-inclusive. However, again, it's a reminder, yep, we're going to do those changes because we can change those things, but we don't change the big book because it's not ours to change. Mm -hmm. The text is the text. Yeah. So the first 164 pages don't change. It's the stories which represent um, our our growth and our democratic sorry not get down dem- demographics that change mm-hmm. to represent uh, better represent who we are as a group mm-hmm. uh next we're going to talk about the doctor's opinion so on the next podcast podcast number seven in the big book study we will be breaking down the doctor's opinion and that will probably take a couple of episodes because there's mm-hmm. a lot in there as we delve into step one you know, I might powers. have the most notes in my big book in the doctor's opinion. Might. might. It's just covered. Oh, yeah. It's fun very exciting because that's when we start to talk about the disease, which is an essential thing to understand and acknowledge in our journey into recovery. And it is a disease. There's some people might say it's not, but we will define that and talk about it. Absolutely. Like it says, there is a world of ignorance out there. Contempt prior to investigation, Herbert J. Spencer is also somewhere in our big book. And yeah, that is, it's like the, the, the thing above all others that will harm us is contempt prior to investigation, which alcoholics love to have. So, um, just open mind, open-mindedness is one of the key tools of our program. Page 568, just, uh, uh, second page of the, uh, spiritual experience. That's Herbert Spencer. Oh, cool. There is a principle which is bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. And you will find that right after the sentence, willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. That's the how of recovery. Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. That's how we do it. And you're also going to love it. You can flip it to, it's also the who of recovery. Oh, honesty, open-mindedness, who your higher power. Oh, I love that. I've never heard that. Yeah. I got that from a sponsee, which shows that this, you know, it's a two-way street, right? We learn Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. No one is above uh, another person. We just have uh, a little more experience, but we can learn together and grow together. Um, so thank you, Julie. This has been fun. Thanks a lot. It was nice to do another podcast with you. It's been a been a while. And I'm sure we'll be making some people happy when I get these uploaded today. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the gift of you. Mm. You're welcome. And thank you for the gift of you. Because without you listening, uh, well, I guess we'd still be doing it. But it would just be hanging out there in the air somewhere. So thanks for listening to us. Yeah, we appreciate your support and your encouragement. And we feel like we've had a meeting every time we're with you. This has been another edition of Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I am Forever Julie. Have a great 24.